So don't feel that I can only sing it once I know it. Does that make any sense?
Gemara Chuppah, if you can. I just heard this at a chuppah last week. Please remember to turn on your cell phones at the end of Shir. <laughs> that was a great line. Or just have it on, on vibrant if you don't mind. Okay, so, so excited, so happy, so glad we have a chance to go right, to go right inside. And um, we, have, we were such, we were, Baruch Hashem had such a strong summer and such a powerful such an absolutely powerful, you know, period of, of longing for the Beis HaMikdash. And the last thing in the world that should happen is that now that it's not the three weeks anymore that the Beis HaMikdash consciousness is now like, okay, we'll leave that till next July again, right? Wrong. That, wrong big time. <laughs> God, God forbid. So listen to this. Think about it, because it can't just be that you long for the Beis HaMikdash and that you think about it the most during the three weeks. Can't be. Sukkot, maybe, you know, there's mitzvahs aseish as man grama. There are certain mitzvahs that the time, they're time-bound. Like what? Like lulav and etrog, right? For instance, the four species. So that, and if you think about it all year long, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's a very high level. There were certain rebbes that did think about it all year long. But when do you use lulav and etrog? Sukkot. Chanukah, so when do you use the menorah? Chanukah. Pesach, when do you eat matzah? If, if right now someone brought a piece of matzah to the table right now, and we'd start eating it, is there anything holy about it? I'm sure we could find some kind of far-out source <laughs> to say that it's like the highest thing in the world to eat matzah in, in, in September, you know, in Elul. But it's not what it's about. Beis HaMikdash, Mashiach, and the way that we were learning what the Beis HaMikdash is all about, it cannot be, it can't be that it was only for like those few weeks that we was like flying high and it just can't be. And if it was, if that's already past us and all we're thinking right now is just the shofar, then we missed out. We missed out on something big. So, Bezrat Hashem, I, we plan here that in all the Monday night learnings, the consciousness of Beis Amigdash is going to be very, very, very strong and very loud so that we don't show up as strangers again. Chas v'shalom, if we, God forbid, have to go through that whole period of mourning again next year. In the same lines, I saw a few years ago a void, a, a beautiful teaching in the name of the Bnei Yisachar. I don't know if you know them, the Bnei Yisachar. Bnei Yisachar, his name was Reb Tzvi Elimelech of Dinov, the Dinov Rebbe. He was a top student by the Seer of Lublin. We're talking approximately 200 years ago. And he was, a, he was an, an unbelievable Kabbalist. He wrote many books. But the one that he's known for the most is called the Bnei Yisachar, which is a book about the months of the Jewish year, the calendar. And each month he goes into the depth and the fixing and the deeper meaning of each month. So he, I once saw that he said something about Elul, which changed, it not just changed, it, made, it, it, it put everything together for me. He said that Elul is the gematria of Bina, 67. He said, Elul is Bina. We learned this last year, I don't know if you remember. He said, Elul is Bina. And then I understood, like, okay, he, he just found a word that the numerical value is equal. That's the gematria, and he found a word, like, when I was bored in high school, that's what, that's what I would do. Like, some people would do other things. I would sit there. I had two things I did. One was that I wrote down a whole list of names in Hebrew, 
and the numerical value and started adding up things very mamish. That was my whole Seder book, eh? Or, or I did something awesome, which, which I should do again just for kicks, was that I wrote down a certain number that I would have won in a lottery and divide all the money to see how much of a tzaddik I'd be to all my friends and family. Like, I'd write down six, you know, 5,840,371. And then I'd have to nail it down by the end of sheer exactly how I disperse each, each dollar. That was my upbringing. That was my yeshivish upbringing. Anyway. Shkoyach. Elul, the gematria, is bina. Ma kesher. First of all, what's bina and what's elul? Bina. Who is bina? Also, my wife's name. Your daughter. So check this out, Chavah. And please, please, please tune in. Please, leave everything outside and just tune into this because I feel that this is the strongest in the world. Just like we said about Tishabav, it's not that there's just like a designated time in the year you think about Beis Amikdash. The Bnei Sacha says that Elul is Gematria Bina for a certain reason. What's known as, when are we supposed to do, when are we supposed to repent? in the Jewish calendar? Oh, but according to the Jewish calendar, what do we think? What, what do we unfortunately usually attune ourselves to? Comes the month of Elul, and then I get my act together. Then I do tshuva. But you're right, Akiva. It's not, it's absolutely the, it's the worst thing in the world. But that's, I save all my tshuva for Elul. Like a guy that sins all year long. He's like, are you crazy? You know that's wrong. Don't worry, Elul. <laughs> you know that's treif. You know, you know that's, you know that's sheker. What are you doing? Worry. I'm Elul. <laughs> all year, so obviously, it can't mean that I could do whatever I want all year long and then say, forgive me, God, in Elul, and try to do tshuva in Elul. So Bina, everybody knows, is the second level. First is Chochmah. I have a little bit of a Seichel. And Bina is understanding things much deeper. So in the month of Elul, what is the tshuva that I'm doing over? That I did this wrong or that wrong? Maybe. I don't know. But in the month of Elul, the opportunity that we have is much more than just what I did wrong and what I did right. The month of Elul is the tshuva of Bina. The tshuva of Bina is when you understand all the things you could have done that you thought were holy, you could do it much deeper. You could have done it much deeper. It's not tshuva that I ate the wrong thing and that I turned on the light at the wrong time on Shabbos. Right? That you have the whole year for. But the real essence of tshuva, of Elul, is Bina. Bina, this is, it's much deeper than just what's right and what's wrong. Not that those things aren't important. God forbid, don't understand me the, the wrong way. But anyway, there's, there's this whole other world. So Reb Shlomo taught on the Moshav many years ago, I think like a year or two after the Moshav was founded, so you know, when you, you get a glimpse in Elul, through Bina, really, you get a glimpse through... Hashem gives you like these, this vision of, that you don't get during the year. It's like when you... I always feel this, I don't know about you guys, but I always feel this, that when you, when you fly, when you go on an airplane, and you fly up and you look down from the airplane when you're still pretty close to the ground, and you see your house, your friend's house, you, see, you can see basically a bunch of houses and people and everything you turn into what's called mochin de gadlus, expansion of the mind. Things become, things that are usually mochin de katnus, 
where it's like small, constricted consciousness, when it comes to, when you're on a plane and you see how, how, how big the world is and you look down from up there and you see down here, you see, oh, this, he's here, he's right here, he's right here. Why did I think that it's like the whole world is going to explode if he does this to me? You just have this sense of like ultimate battle, really. So when you, so an L, we're kind of flying, we're kind of, we're starting right now. And we're starting the takeoff and we're still pretty close to the ground. And we're in the sky, we're looking outside our, those of you who hate window seats, but we could see out the window seat. And you can see, Mamish, through the window, that we're all in this together. But it's much bigger than all of us. But we're all in this together. Someone called me this morning, he said, he says, I don't know, there's this certain thing, I, purity of the thoughts, I'm such a sinner, I'm, I'm so... I'm so, I don't know what to do, I just, my thoughts are, are so impure all the time and I can't take it. So this is a guy that also always compares his marriage to everyone else's marriages too. Whenever his marriage is off, he says, oh, but that, that person is, he has it together like that and he has it together like that. I said to him, the one time that comparing would have been a good thing, you choose not to. We're all, all of us, whatever you think you're dealing with and struggling with right, right now, the most important thing while you're going through Elul is to know that you're not alone. None of us are alone in this. You've got to hold on to it very strong. To get to hold on to it, you have to remember the Bnei Sacher's gematria. That Elul, that the, the gematria of Bina is that chokma would mean that what, whatever I'm struggling with, it's only me. I'm the only person in the world that has to suffer with this. You've met those kind of people. That's, they're the only people in the world. It's only them this happens to. But really, it's it happens. What we're going through. Although each person is different and unique, all of us are going through it together. However, there is one place throughout all of Elul and throughout Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot where all of us hold on to the same branch. There is a place where each of us hold on to one thing and one thing only. So that's what we're going to learn tonight from Rabbi Shlomo. But before that, we, I want to sing with you all the nigun that this teaching is based on. This teaching that we're doing tonight, it's basically, it looks like he sat down and gave a whole shir and a transcript. It was in between songs on stage in Northern California in the early 80s. It might have taken, uh, I don't know, three and a half minutes for him to say this, five minutes. But uh, you all know this well. You'll, you'll all know this nigun in the next ten seconds. You all know this nigun. That uh, you know, we say who David Hashem already veishi. Now that that beautiful what what parak is in Tehillim? Thirty-seven. Zayin, right? No, twenty-seven. We say it all. We say it in Elul. I know the minhag say it twice a day. I started my own minhag. I say it three, five, seven times a day. <laughs> I do that. That chapter is the strongest chapter in the world. It's worth just learning that chapter all year long. Yeah. It's an absolutely. It covers everything. Yeah. So this is Nigun from that chapter.
Zaczy na dorachę szantim Oj, achos szantim First of all, Mamish um, will be here, totally be here. I pass one around, each around. And to please be with us as we're learning, as we're reading through, although this is all in English, please, if you can, just to not read ahead and stay with us so we could all be growing through this and exploding our hearts together at the same moment. Mind you again, this is Northern California, early 80s, and this is in the beginning of a concert. He's giving a concert. He's doing a concert, and a few minutes after he start, starts the concert, he stops and he just just rolls out of his mouth. He didn't sit down to learn anything. This comes out right away. Does everyone have a copy? Are there more? There should be more. Are there more? No? There should be. Did, did it stop anywhere? We can share. Yeah, let's share. Okay. Shikach. Okay. Shlomo says like this. There's such a beautiful passage in the Psalms. It says, Achas sha'alti me'eis Hashem. There's one thing. One thing I'm asking of God. That's what it literally means, right? Achat sha'alti. Achat. One thing. One thing I'm asking of Hashem, of God. We're asking, Amen. we're asking a lot of things of God. But there's obviously this one thing which I am Mamish always asking for. Let's put it this way. Okay. Shlomo says like, this is amazing. In our lives, you could say that in one day, just think, I want each person to think about this to themselves right now. 
Some of you have prayed once today, some of you have prayed twice today, maybe even three times. Some of you have prayed once this whole week, some of you have prayed once the whole month. It doesn't matter what it is. How many things have you asked God for? In one day. Millions of things. Ain't so. You ask Hashem for so much. Always. All of us do. All the time. Shlomo is saying, he's not saying, really, you're only saying one thing. He's saying, no, no, no. You're, you're always asking for a lot of things. But while you're asking for so many things, there is one bottom line, underlying thing, which you're really asking for, which your neshama is really crying out for, whether you realize it or not. Aren't there really three things, though, like in the song HaChalti that we're asking? You're really asking for three things. We'll get there. i just say a quick word on that. Is that I heard from Yehuda, Salim once told me, when you... It's true, David Amalek says, I'm asking for one thing. And then you see, well, there's three different things, he says, because once you go inside the chamber, don't you dare start being stingy and just say, you know, <laughs> to just say one thing. That's true. But, but, but I think that we're really, it's all the same thing. These three things, Shifti Bevet Hashem, Kogimei Chayai, Lachzot B'Noam Hashem, it's the same thing. We'll see what that is tonight, Bezat Hashem. But it's true, Scott. Okay. Look how Epshlam says this. Second paragraph. Our thoughts are on all kinds of levels. Let's say that sadly enough, every few months I have to go to the barber. <laughs> he wasn't really into the barber. So I'm only thinking of it when I have to go. Right? I only think about going to the barber when my hair gets when my hair is long. It's outside. Outside of my thoughts. Now let's say that every day I have to put on tefillin. So this thought is already closer to me. It's more regular in my head. But for, let's just say for the woman's sake, like, how often do you, is it in your thoughts, the Shabbos candles? Usually, Friday afternoon. Right? Alavai used to every day, but that, that's really where it's at. Then, Reb Shlomo says, there's a kind of a thought which I'm always thinking about even if I'm not actually thinking. When you eat something wrong, it's not so bad. So you vomit it out. You might get a little bit sick, but you don't lose your mind over it. But when you live in the wrong place, it can absolutely drive you out of your mind. Because the connection of the house to your soul is the deepest, deepest, deepest connection. Okay, Chavra, how many of you ever went through or are in the whole Nachlaot bachelor scene? Did it ever happen to any of you? So I'll tell you. Not just Nachlaut, whatever it is. I was there for a few years. Sure, it did a lot of good, but it also, it, it, what it, what it, for me personally, and I'll never forget this. I was coming home, I was flying back one time from, uh, I don't know, I, I, was, I, I think it was in Australia, and I was, I'd always I had time on the plane to sit and write and type on my laptop. I always was very big on it. I don't know, like we said before, you go on the plane, you, you see how, Little everything is but how big everything else is in the bigger picture. And you really, if you're lucky, you go into Mochin, the godless zone. You go into this expansion of your mind consciousness. So many times it's a gift when it happens, when you could actually do it. And there aren't, it's not El Al where you sit like a sardine. It's like, like you know, Air New Zealand or something. You sit like a mensch, right? And you have room for your laptop and you can start typing away. Sometimes it happens. And it was very, it was very, I was very lucky. And I remember writing that I had a really cool, uh, I had a great apartment here in Akhlat. Some of you were there, on the other side over there, closer to 
And um, but my my soul felt it was the it was like the worst place in the world for me. Even though it was a great house. And I remember when I heard him say this, I, I was typing I remember I was typing on the press said, I'm going back to nothing. Mamish to, to I'm going back to the opposite of something. Mamish nothing. I'm sure it has to do with when you know was married and whatever that means, but I remember writing also I just writing like my kid I have absolutely zero sense of a home in the place that really is my home for now. So Rabbi Shlomo says, when that happens, you could literally lose your mind. Do you know when else you can lose your mind? When you come to Eretz Yisrael and you don't feel chas v'shom, you don't feel at home. You start to lose your brain. Other places, you go to do like a year abroad somewhere in some university in France, if you don't feel at home, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. You move houses, you know, in Beverly Hills. If you don't feel at home, I mean, everyone should feel at home wherever they move to, but, but when, you're, when you're in a place that really is home and you feel like an outsider, it's Gehenna. You know why so many kids drifted away from Yiddishkeit? Because they went to a place that was supposed to be like home, shuls, and uh, the last thing in the, in the world they felt in these shuls were home, was home. I never tell you this story. I think I might have told you, but it's good if to hear it again. It's changed my life. I was, for a few years, I had the privilege of being a chaplain in Cedar sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. I was young. A chaplain, intern for a year, and then a chaplain. What's my a chaplain? Ja- chaplain is a kilo, um, A rabbi. It's like a rabbi. It's yeah. And um, my job, I had a great job. I'd go every three days a week, and I'd have a list of the newly admitted Jewish patients. And I'd go in and, and, from, and just say Shalom Aleichem and see how they're doing. It was a, kind of a Jewish hospital also. So I got to meet every type of Jew in the world. Those years were tremendous. Mamish tremendous. One day, I walked into a room and I said to a person, Shalom, I saw his name, it sounded a very Yiddish name. So I said to him, I would start talking to them at my broken Yiddish. I'd start saying a little bit in Yiddish, how, how are you doing, can I help you? So the guy looks at me and he starts screaming at me. This guy, he's alone in the room in the corner. Oh, forget it. He starts screaming at me. And I was 18. I didn't know what, what, I didn't know what was going on. He starts screaming at me and I left. But then I think that he actually buzzed the chaplaincy office and he asked me to come back from his room. What? I didn't know. I was very nervous. I, was, I, I didn't want to go back. But I figured there must be some kind of story here, and I might as well be open to hear what's going on. So I come inside very, like, hi, uh, is everything okay? Can I help? You know, you don't, you don't judge a person in Bishat Saram. When someone's in pain, you know, you don't, or Bishat Kassim, you don't judge anybody when they're in pain, ever. So I didn't know what to do. So this guy said to me, sit down, I'm going to tell you something. I haven't stepped foot and anything that has to do, anything Jewish, anything religious, but anything Jewish, since I came home from World War II. So this was 1998 when he said this to me. So it's 40-something years, right? 50-something years, right? <laughs> 53 years. I said, what do you mean? Oh, what's going on? Because he, he told me where he lives. He lives right next door to the shul that I grew up in, actually, where my father was a chazan. 
in Los Angeles. Mom is right there in the same, around the corner. He says, I see you guys every week mm-hmm. going in there. I don't step foot, and I'll tell you why. Because when I came back to thank God that I came out of it alive, and I got back from the war right before high holidays, and I walked into the synagogue, and an usher said to me, where's your ticket? And I said, I don't have. And he said, you can't come in. I was done. There are many stories like this. No way. No way. It's before there were Chabad houses. Not at all. It can, it, so what I'm trying to say is, it could mamish, the like Rav said, you eat something wrong, gets a little bit sick, vomit it out, you, move, you don't lose your brain. When, when your soul, like you said here, the connection of the house to your soul is the deepest, deepest connection. When you, in, in what you're supposed to be your home, your house, and it's not connected to your neshama, you could mamish lose your mind. Now what is he really talking about? Let's learn a little bit, bit more. For instance, when you're walking into somebody's house, you're literally walking into somebody's soul. Unless they have no soul, which is also possible. <laughs> they might have a soul, but Givald, are they keeping it in the bank? <laughs> Not in their house. <laughs> there, are people, there are people like this. <laughs> there are also people who have their soul in the business, not in the house. And when you walk into their house, it's like a cemetery. And you don't know why. It's beautiful, it's clean, but there's no soul there. But did it ever happen to any of you, Hevra? You walk into someone's home, you walk into something, you just, you can't explain what it is. You feel dead. You feel nothing. You just feel so detached from what's going on over here. And it, you have to get out of there. You just, you don't feel right at all. But I want to share with you something. I want to talk to you about it tonight. But just right now, I'm beginning to think of it. Okay? This is, a, <laughs> this is the beginning of his thoughts. <laughs> Shlomo says like this. Everyone look inside, please. Basically, the beginning of the paragraph. Basically, we're all living in two worlds. On a certain level, we're living in a world where I have to do what everybody else is doing. Everybody goes to sleep, I go to sleep. Everybody wakes up, hopefully I'll wake up. Everybody makes a few rubles, I try to make a few rubles. But then there's something else, the deepest, deepest depths of me, where it's just I, it's just me, nobody else in the world. I want to say this again outside the text. All of us right now, we put on clothes. You don't walk around without clothes. You, it's not a fast day today, so most of us ate something today. It's what all of us do. In fact, we've done, if you think about it, how many things did each of us do today? Are you asking? Uh, well, I just want you to think about it for a second. Think about your day. Think about how many things you actually did. Not papers you wrote or people you called, but different actions, like putting on a watch or brushing your teeth or tons of different things mostly physical mundane things but even spiritual things there's a lot of things that each of us do every single day that all of us do but then there's something that it's just has nothing to do with what anyone else did it's just my thing in the world now I'm not talking I'm not trying to explain this by saying and you have to go and help the Ethiopian children in Beersheba that's your thing and and you have to go and 
I don't know, write a paper on the relationship between Breslev and Chabad. That, that, we're not talking, those are still outside things. Those are still outside things. We're talking about something even deeper. What that is, hopefully we'll understand, we'll, we'll begin to feel, not understand. You're not going to understand. Bezrat Hashem, if you understand, it means you didn't get it. Bezrat Hashem, you'll feel it. Again, I'm just going to read the last two lines in the last paragraph. But then there's something else, the deepest, deepest depth of me, where it's just I, nobody else in the world. And you see, the deepest secret of life is to know exactly when I have to do what everybody else is doing, and when I have to be just I. This is, by the way, Mamish, one of the most powerful things I ever heard him say. I want to say this again, Chavra, I'm begging you. Mama, shut off your heads and open up your heart for this line. The deepest secret of life is to know exactly when I have to do what everybody else is doing and when I have to just be just I. Look, we're in the month of Elul right now. Right, Chavra, the month where it's about this, like, repent, whatever you want to call it, returning, repenting, forgiving, all, all of the above. So everybody has to do certain things. You're supposed to give more tzedakah. Everyone has to listen to the shofar in the morning. You say, L'david Hashem. So everybody has to do that. But let it be clear to you that during this month of Elul is also the time to figure out and to cry and beg God more than ever to figure out what is the thing which is just I, it's just me, that has to do with just me, that you just need from me, for which this is the reason for which you placed me here in this world. Baruch Hashem, there may be 20 people in the room, maybe a bit more right now, 25. There are 25 different eyes right now in the room, and yet there are 25 people that have to do exactly the same thing tonight and tomorrow morning. Go to sleep and get up. And 25 different, 25 things that each of us have to do this L. You gotta hear the shofar. Bless you. you. Gotta hear the shofar. You gotta get ready for Yantav. But then, it cannot be that God created the world where we're mamash walking around like all of us have to just do this. It's also true. But what about the thing that it's just me? God created me just for this ani, just for what I have to do in the world. And Elul is the time that I, I have to make more of a focus in my tefillah and in my relationship with people to try to understand what is it that you need from me. Now this can be very confusing. Because let's say that your job is a job that no one else has in the world. That's, not, that's still not what we're talking about. Is it, a little bit, is it clear? A little bit? Or is it t totally... Yeah? It, it's not, we're not talking about your job. It's not like... Because I can tell you, in this room, I know a few people that are doing things in this room that probably nobody else is doing in the world. But that might not be that I either, that achat sha'alti. Maybe even that's not it. Sometimes a person, I mean, I find it to be so beautiful when a person works so hard for something and built such a huge thing. But at a certain point in the life, and we're not talking about a midlife crisis, just talking about spiritual evolution, natural, spiritual, healthy, holy evolution, that a person says, you know what, I realized I'm 64, that's not what I came down to the world to do. And sometimes a person figured that out at 17. There's no time limits here. It has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with career. 
It's achas cha'alti. It's this one thing. It's the eye of the eye. Just want to make sure I'm on the derech here. Like, we started with the one thing that I'm asking of God, but you just mentioned that Elul is when you're supposed to focus on what Hashem needs from me. So is it Hashem asking the one thing He needs of me, or the one thing that I'm asking of Him? Mm-hmm. You think there's a difference? I don't think there's a difference. I think that's the whole secret. You just, you just summed up everything that we could try to learn right now. <laughs> everything everything Rebona Shleilam wants you to do in this world is to ask him that question. That's, the, it's, that's where the one and the one meet. That's what you, what you just described right now is called a yichud. You ever hear that concept of yichud? Right? That's the shame yichud kuchabrecha, right? What does a yichud mean? Oneness? It's much more, it's more than oneness. What's the... What's Yichud? Yichud is a unification. It's when, it's when the two meet. But hold on to it, because Rib Shlomo is going to say it much better than I could ever attempt to say it, okay? Okay. Let's go back inside. From the bottom, third paragraph from the bottom. On a general level, the difference is between the street and the house. Let's see what Rib Shlomo is talking about over here. On the street, I'm like everybody else. The house is the one place where it's just I. When you love somebody very much, you want to go to their house. When two people love each other, they build a house. What does that mean? What does it mean? Shetiskul divnos by neeman beisrael. What does that mean? She married to build a a bait neeman, right? How do you say neeman? A, a trust. A, a faithful home that a couple that loves each other love interpret love means building a home together what does that mean the more you love somebody the more my special eye hooks up to your special eye so we can build a home if someone's saying something that you could learn 50 books on the shelves here and you still would only get close to how he just said to you in a in a, in a spoon right now each person has a special eye upon which God needs them to do what they do in the world. But besides everything we're supposed to be doing in the world, God needs each of us to build our own home, our own house. But you don't build your own house alone. You build it with someone else. How do you build it with someone else? When that thing which is so special just about you connects to what is so special about that other person, then you can build a home. To explain this a little bit deeper, let's go right now to Parsha Chayesara. Chayesara. Parsha Chayesara. Shlomo explains that Eliezer, the faithful servant of Abba Avinu, he was the master of Torah Shabbat. He was the master of the oral Torah. He brought down to the world this thing that you could really make up something on your own. You figure out something on your own and say, this must be God's word. Up until... Eliezer finding a shidduch for Yitzchak and Rivka, right, making a shidduch between Yitzchak and Rivka. Every couple in the world got married because why? Because that's what you did. You got married. You grow up, and when you're 20, you get married. Or when you're 40, it doesn't matter what society you're in, you just get married because that's what you do. Eliezer brings down something awesome to the world which we so take for granted. 
which might have been lost over the years, and I think that now we've reclaimed it. And Bamish, follow me. This is very strong. The Gemara says, Kashim zivugim So to find your soulmate is as hard as crossing the Red Sea. Not just finding your soulmate, but willing to jump into the Red Sea. Jumping into Gemara. Other people find their soulmates, but they don't jump into the Red Sea. They found the Red Sea, they don't jump into it. It's two different, totally two different worlds. So listen to this. Rabbi Shlomo says like this, you see, it used to be that our parents jumped into the Red Sea, they crossed Yamsuf for us in previous generations. What are we talking about? Yeah, how did most of our grandparents get married, or great-grandparents get married? At a dance. Um, if they're very lucky and romantic, usually no, it's because their great-great-grandfather saw a girl that was three and said, when she's 12, she's going to get engaged to my grandson. <laughs> that's, usually what was, that, that's usually what was going on. Meaning, who crossed the Amsuf? Our parents crossed the Amsuf for us. Yeah, that sounds like 2003 something. but I'm not, I, I don't think that it really <laughs> happened that much in, in the 1880s. That not our great people, great, but much, made further back uh, than that. My great great? Great great? Oh, two. No, so what I'm saying is that it was an, it's a lost, meaning it's supposed to be like that. We lost it over the years at a certain point, but now we have to cross the Yamsu for us. So we have to jump into Yamsu's on our own. Our parents aren't doing it for us. Like if our father would, mother would come to us and say, listen, I saw her, she's for you. Who would say, okay, Abba, I'm going to go marry her. <laughs> right? So we don't do that anymore. It's not so much our thing. Uh, it's not mine and your thing, but the truth is, I have a lot of friends, it is their thing. <laughs> and, they, and they do it, and the truth is, they do it, what looks like to me on the outside, I think, I used to think bad things, now I think it's an unbelievably beautiful thing, and, 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 and really successful also. I just see beautiful couples and beautiful... Um, Thanks. Most of us, everyone in this room I'm talking to right yeah. now, doesn't really... My doesn't kids really would never let me... Okay. Never, I'm not talking about <laughs> Zusha. <laughs> I'm just saying, you We've know. been there, I know. I'm not chas v'shalom downing it either. Yeah. I'm not downing it for one second. Yeah. For one second. Do you know, my, my great-grandpa... Not, it's, not it's not a matter of bad or good or holy or not holy. Just the reality of the, it's just the reality of society today. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, it's, it's not bad or good. Don't get me wrong. Zusha's right. Uh, Reb Nachman and the Baal Shem Tov didn't come from dances. Like the Chiduchim didn't come because they went to a prom. And, they, and it, that didn't happen. So obviously the highest neshama is in the world. But each generation, Dora Dora, it changes what the neshama has to go through in this world. Okay, let's go back to him. Eliezer and Rifka. Eliezer says, when Avram Avin was telling Eliezer who he has to find when he's looking for a, a shidduch for his son Yitzhak, he tells him all these different things, but Eliezer makes up something on his own. Eliezer says, okay, I could follow the guidelines and the parameters of what I'm supposed to look for. But this girl that I'm looking for, she has to mamish be special. She has to be so special that what's special about her matches what's special about Yitzchak. How many times did you ever go out with a girl who was so special, bless you, or did you girls ever go out with a guy so special, but you didn't feel it? Why not? Because maybe what's special about you doesn't match with what's special about the other person. Then you go home and you start thinking, wow, I really need to see that shrink my mother told me about because I can't find anyone. No, it just means that what's special about you doesn't match with what's special about the other person. That could happen also. 
Eliezer brings down to the world that a shidduch means a real one, a binyan adayad, a house that the eye can hook up with the other person's eye means not that two people are special, so they get married. A lot of people are special. But that subconsciously we're connected on a level of what that thing which is just about me is connected to that thing which is just about you. And that makes it, Mamish, the most beautiful oneness in the world. That's a yichud. Now, Be'ezrat Hashem, most couples, Alavai, we should all be blessed that you spend your whole lives connecting the eye to the eye. That thing which is just special about you to what's special about you, hopefully. That's a binyan adayad. You know what a binyan adayad doesn't mean a building that lasts forever. That's boring. A lot of buildings. What's this called over here, this big building? A ba- uh, yeah. Binyan Klaus, a very... It's a, is it a Binyan Adayad? No, no, no. It's a very big building. A Binyan Adayad means a building that keeps on growing forever. Binyan Adayad, that the building, the growing, the growth of the building keeps on growing. Always, forever and ever and ever. That the specialness keeps on connecting more and more to what's special about the other person. This is how Reb Shlomo is explaining here, the eye and the eye. Now turn the page. So this passage says, Achas Sha'alti, right? This passage says, there's one thing I'm asking of God, and I'm asking it all the time, whether I realize it or not. I just have a chance to realize it more in Evo. What is it that I'm asking all the time? Please, God, let my house be the house of God. What I choose to erect in this world, to build in this world, where I choose to dwell, where I choose to spend my time, the home that I build, let it be, your, let it be a house of, of Hashem. Shift Beves Hashem. Kol Yemei Chayai. My whole life. Not, not a little bit. Not Elul. Not just Elul. Not just Tisha B'av, I feel based on Migdash. Shift Beves Hashem. That wherever I am dwelling... Until Beis HaMikdash comes, Kol Yemei Chayai. My whole life. Always. Some people don't think, most people don't think they're on the level for that. They say, wait a second, when I'm downloading reruns of the Cosby show, I'm not going to feel like it's Shifti Beis Hashem Kol Yemei Chayai, right? (laughs) When I'm doing that, that's, do I want that to be also Beit Hashem? It was a time to to throw away all those fears of is that me or not? You don't even know who you are. The, the chauffeur is gonna rip you up into pieces and blow a whole nunashama into you. You think you know who you're gonna be the first of the first of Tishrei? Many of us we, we know exactly who we're gonna be. What does the chauffeur do? Nice, well let's see how long the Tkiyak Dola is. I, I grew up in shows like that. Let's see how long the Baal Tokeas Tkiyak Dola is gonna be this year. No, you know what it is to hear the shofar? Rips you into pieces, creates a new Bria Chadasha. You're a new person. How do you know if you want to if you'll want to watch those things afterwards? What do you know? You have no idea. Not that it's the worst, don't get me wrong, it's not the worst. I could tell you much worse things than downloading a TV episode. I'm just saying for the sake of feeling like Beit Hashem, right? Amish every day, my whole life. 
Please, God, let my house be the house of God. Reb Shlomo says, second line on this, on this page. This has millions of meanings. But the question is, where am I most godlike? Where am I most infinite? Okay, I'm going to say this question again to understand what he's going to say in a second. When I say I want to dwell in God's house, always, what does that mean? There's a place that I have to find the right contractor in the right building, and when I walk inside, I smell, yeah, this is godly. That's not what we're talking about. The question is, where are you most godly? Where are you most infinite? Where can you be the most ain't in the world? Where could you be the most godly? Someone said, you say, a lot of people want to be godly, but people forget you have to have so much of God in order to be godly. Meaning, you have to understand that we're not talking about an exterior foreign thing here. There's a Beit Hashem. And hopefully one day I'll find that place and I'll know that's the place for me. Shlomo says, where do you, the question is, where do you find yourself most expansive? Where do you find yourself most so awesomely infinite and welcoming and full of love, absolute love? Where's that place that you feel that? That's, that's what we're talking about over here. So Reb Shlomo says in the third line here, so you'd say that you're infinite in that part of you which is like everybody else, right? The more I'm connected to other people, that means the more infinite I am. No. That part of me which is like everybody else, the most godly part of me is that part which is just I. That thing which only I do in the world, which only I can do in the world, that's the, that's the nikuda. That's the point we're trying to connect to over here. Let's, it's very hard, but I want to go, I want to go further in, in the Lashon and see how Reb Shlomo explains this. And please, Chavre, if something's not, not clear, I, I don't want to say if you disagree. You don't disagree in Torah. You, you just, you learn. So if something's not shtiming, which you say in Yish, it's not molding to, if the eye of this Torah is not going to your eye, please speak up, okay? I have a question. When, how specific do we get to how deep do we think about when we, when we ask this question, how only I can do? Like, for instance, yeah. if, if you were sent down here to inspire another person, right? And you inspired, let's say, my, myself, right? Only you could do that. Mm-hmm. But um, Yochi next to me was sent down to inspire someone else also, mm-hmm. but not me, someone else. Mm-hmm. Does that include something separate, or is it the same, same concept of inspiring someone else? Or does it get more specific that you were sent down here to inspire me specifically, while he was sent down here to inspire someone else? I think I, think I hear your question, and I wouldn't have the chutzpah to say that I could tell you an answer. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good question, but who could tell you, who could, say, who could, who could give you an answer to a question like that? See, I can't, after this, you can't ask me or anybody else, so what is my I? This has nothing to do with, with uh, someone telling you, telling you what it is. I'm not asking that. I'm asking how specific do we get that idea of we were all sent down here to inspire each other. That's what we're all doing in a sense. Mm-hmm. Or we were each sent down here to inspire someone specific. 
No, and that would be your... inspire people in your way, and he inspires people in his way. It's the way that you do it. Right. It's definitely, can't, God doesn't need two people to inspire exactly the same way, two right. different people. But I'm, I'm, I think that, I can't even say that I know that. Like, I, I don't know what, this, this whole learning that we're doing is so that you, we all take this and take it to our hearts and daven over this for the rest of Elul, because... Even the greatest rebbes in the world can guide you on the track, right. but I don't think even the greatest person in the world can tell you what your eye is. Agreed. Can, can yeah. I just say something? Of course. I just want to answer also. I think that um, in terms of every, each and every one of us sitting here is a total unique being, and, and 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 our experiences are totally all the experiences that we had. Nobody else had in the whole world. Right. And you know, someone once came to a big rebbe and said, "How come everybody in the world looks so different, and how come everybody has?" Different day oh, they think differently. Nobody agrees totally with anybody. Everyone's thought process, everything is totally different than everybody else in the whole world. So someone asked the Rebbe, why is it like that? He said, Because God is ain't so. And since God is ain't so, every one of us is totally ain't so and totally different than anybody else. And it's ain't so, it's totally infinite. And who you are is actually totally infinite and unique from because nobody has your experience. Anybody, no one in the world. And it's a totally unique experience just for you. And I, that's what I feel that Shlomo was saying. Totally unique mm-hmm. just for you. People that might, might have gone through similar things, yeah. but no one can say they went through the same thing. No. Of course. Ever. Or it affected them the same way. Shlomo used to say, Or it affected them the same way in the No home. one was ever at every concert I ever gave. Except me. <laughs> 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 Maybe well. I mean, yeah. I mean, should I have a no, I was thinking it today because uh, people, people, a little magazine came out of the Moshav, and right. people were, were writing their recollections right. about the Moshav, and then at the end they said, so maybe let's hear from other people also. So I was thinking about it, about what Zusha could write, and I thought about what people had written already, and I thought, well, I can't write that good, I can't write like that, that was really beautiful and flowery, and I can't do that. And then today I realized, no, i got to write Zusha. i got to write what, I was, who Zusha was and where Zusha was in the whole thing. Now, I don't have to worry about what they did and who did. i got to like look at what I did and what happened to me and who I was and, and where I grew and where I, what was my experience in the whole thing. And now, fast forward. And you have to look, and Zusha has to see what does Hashem still, Hashem kept you here. It's like tomorrow. What do you need now? It's now. Not just, uh, it's not just yesterday, it's now and it's, <coughs> and it's tomorrow. Okay, I know that this, this thing, sometimes you learn a Torah, you learn a teaching, and you want so badly to understand it. Because you want to walk out feeling like I got information, I understood it. But there are certain teachings like these tonight, like this one, that it's not standard you have a whole month to focus on one thing. This is... This, what Rabbi Shlomo underlined over here, it really is the one thing. How much is it important to me that I shifti beveis Hashem, kol yamei chayai, that I'm dwelling in God's house my whole life, and what does that mean? So we're understanding a little bit where am I most godly, where am I most infinite. And it's such a beautiful thing in life that when you go through life with these kind of questions in your mind, then there's moments in life like, oh, this is, it might happen in eight months from now, you know? You know, I want to tell you, I, I don't go to Uman anymore. I went to Uman. I went to Uman twice. And every person, until Mashiach comes, has got together one, at least once in their life. And I went to Uman right before I had to make some big decisions in life. My mother asked me, she said, so did you get your answers? Mm-hmm. I said, no, but I, fi- I was finally able to like, ask the question. 
right? And and someone, the person I was there with, I was there with, with my friend Raz Hartman. We went together just alone. This Shabbos Kitetzeh. We went on the Shabbos Kitetzeh a few years ago. For Shabbos, so, I don't know, 40, 50 people there. It was absolutely mind-blowing. And he said to me something so strange. He said, Uman, Rabbi Nachman, it's not about you. It's, it's later in the year you'll see. You'll see it later in the year. You'll feel it later. It's not now. It's not right now. It's there. It starts. It's, it's much later. So, it says that not all hatchalot have to be kashot. Because sometimes you could have a good hagdama. Meaning, everyone says, oh, all beginnings are hard. It's not true. All, not, not all beginnings have to be hard. If you have a good prep and a good intro, it doesn't have to be that all beginnings are hard. So there's going to be a beginning soon. It's going to be called Rosh Hashanah. Look how much fixing this world needs. And God trusts us to get the job done? That's crazy. That's pretty insane. But He does because we have Elul. We have a month to say, my eye needs to, my eye needs the magnet, you know, my eye. Something just about me needs to find a home. Okay, I want to I continue going inside. I'll tell you something very deep. When you love somebody on a finite level, a little bit, that means you haven't yet hit that deepest depth of them, which is just them. Meaning that you just feel their eye, just have to do with them. So you feel they're finite, sure. You only touch their finite part. When you love somebody on an infinite level, that means that God blessed you and gave you the privilege to taste that part of them which is just them. Just them. Like how many of you friends, how many of you have one person in your life that you know that what you're feeling from them or what they feel from you only exists between the two of you. It doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. Ashreya Ish, praiseworthy is the person that has one friend in the world that they know they're connecting to each other's eye. See, we have a lot of close people in our lives. We have people that we know our whole lives, and yet our eye is never connected. Not eyes, our letter I, our Anochi, never connected. Parents and children. Parents could have children their whole life, and yet, maybe at one point when they were little and cute and didn't talk back, their eyes, they think, oh, yeah, we're so connected, my eye is connected. Maybe when they're 8 or 15 then suddenly you don't feel as clearly as much as the eye is connected. Because it doesn't get along, or whatever that means. But Rabbi Shlomo is saying over here, loving someone infinitely means that, you, that you're being godly. Ein Sof. And when you're tuned into Ein Sof, anything in the world is possible. Anything in the world is possible. Not that I, I'm not saying I'm clever, don't get me wrong, I have no idea what that means. Like, I really don't. In fact, I realized last year that I have no idea what it even means to love God. I think I know what it means to be in fear of God, or in awe. I don't even know what loving Hashem means. The closest I think is that you love His... You love whoever next to you because you're loving parts of God. But I don't even know what, that, I don't even know what this means. To be of to be godly, I don't know. So I say, please God, let my house be the house of God. You know, friends, again, bear with me. I've seen a lot of people, especially young people, the moment they come into their parents' home, give out, do they shrink. They become so small. I've seen husbands coming home to their wives and they shrink, or wives coming home to their husbands and they shrink. 
Do you know what that means? It's not the house of God. I can't be infinite in this place. I'm a slave in this place. You know, friends, as far as I'm concerned, I think the world is growing up in the most unbelievable way, Rabbi Shlomo says. There was a time when people could not live in the house of God. There was a time when if I had a roof over my head, I eat and I sleep, and nobody bothers me, that was enough for me. Today, it's amazing how he's saying this 35 years ago. Today, the world realizes, sorry, today, the world really wants to be infinite in their houses. And if I fear the place I live in, and fear the person I'm living with, I cannot be infinite. So this is the passage. By the way, Chavar, you know, you could take this the wrong way totally. And you could say that this means now that when I go home to my wife, I have to be infinite. And there's, you know, you could take that so the wrong way right now, right? You could have a field trip with this. What does that mean? I'm going to be infinite. To give them the space to be infinite. That's mamish infinity. I, I agree with you. I think I agree with you. Yeah. I feel I agree with you. Mm-hmm. That's the highest in the world. That means you're not as infinite. I'm infinite. I'm so big. And you have to have Kalim for me. Because if not, then I'm, I'm going to lose it. Reb Shlomo said, when you're not in your, don't feel at home in your home, you could go mad. Don't make me get mad. Let me be infinite. It's that. You could, Mamish, take this the wrong way. So this passage, such a holy passage. Before Rosh Hashanah, before the new year, we're singing it twice a day. This one thing I'm asking of you, God. Because otherwise, I can't live in this world. Basically, Rabbi Shlomo is saying, I could walk around dead for many, many years, but I can't really live in this world unless there's a place that I could be I. That I could mamish be myself. Like, just as an exercise, friends. In this room right now, how many people are right now totally themselves, right now, in this moment? Totally themselves. Is that your question? No. <laughs> I never. <laughs> Not at all. Right now? Right now. How many of you wanted to say in the middle of this, this guy is full of it? <laughs> uh, you let the nervous laugh. I love that. That means there, there were a few in the development. <laughs> You know what it is to walk around the world and totally be yourself? It's gone Eden. It's gone Eden. But we don't even know what that means because most of us don't really know what totally ourselves mean. Elo is the time you, you try to figure that out. Again, you could, be do, you could be doing the holiest things in the world, but you're doing it because it's holy. Not because this is what I am supposed to do in the world. So Reb Shlomo says like this, I can cut my wings off and still be on the street. But there has to be one place where I can fly. There has to be somewhere, a little place in the world. My house, let it be God's house. So I, I just remembered as I was saying this, I went, went to visit a friend on Hanukkah. And it was in his house. And I saw something there that really blew me away. He felt that he was uh, literally, that he was a gungul of a, of a Maccabee, of one of the Maccabim. 
one of the Chashmonaim. One of my friends, he lives outside of Yerushalayim, outskirts of Yerushalayim. And I had a concert, and I went, came home. I, I slept by him that night, it was about four or five years ago. And I stayed in his house, and I, I don't remember, I think he might have even be, I think he was dressed up as a Maccabi. So it was very, in the beginning, it was, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I, I had to hold back cracking up. It was so, it was so weird to me. It wasn't Purim, and we're not celebrating Halloween. And he was dressed up as a, as a Maccabi, I think, and he was talking, saying all these things. And I realized something. Oh my God, he trusts me enough to be mamish himself. What a gift! What a gift! What a gift! You know, the world looks at that and says, "How weird! Such perverted eyes." That's the greatest gift in the world. Someone wrote to me this morning. He says, "You know, I think that Reb Shlomo never ever tried." to be who, anything but himself. He was always himself, you know. However, I know that a geula dekir means when you wish someone a, 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 a sheikh dekir. So manish means that this year you should be able to A, connect to your I, but not just that. It's to feel that you could be yourself everywhere in the world. You know why? Because then the world becomes to you God's house. Then you're not confined just to the little, to where you sleep, and that feels like it's home. But the ultimate thing is kibesi based fila yikari amim. Means that the expansion. When we say the base, I mean that Yerushalayim is going to be in the whole world. It means that the consciousness of Yerushalayim is going to be in the whole world. That throughout the whole, imagine, imagine you walk the streets of Yerushalayim, and every person who's mamish themselves, that might terrify many of you, right? But I'm saying, I'm saying on a deeper level, no, 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 no. When you connect your eye to God's eye, there's no, no fear. It's the most beautiful, awesome oneness in the world. And when that's, the, when that's what's shining on the outside, then God's place, God's home becomes every street corner, every park, every shul, every shul, you know, and everywhere. I was in a shul somewhere this last Shabbos, Just means that I have to get. It means that I have to get it together. It means that each of us that sees that people's eye aren't connecting it means you know you know if someone turn, gets turned on a little bit not exactly your question but you know you do get turned on to your eye to who you are when you see someone that's connected to their eye you see someone that's doing manish that works so hard to figure out what does Hashem want from them specifically and they go and they do it and they try to do it that turns you on you should be blessed this year ever to be so turned on by each other. Not have to travel too far to figure that out, but it's what you search for in India after the army. You could see it right here around the street corner. It's right here. It's right in front of you. And what you said, being let's be real infinite. Infinite means that there's space for everybody because it's infinite. There's space for everybody, and yet, like in the Beis Hamikdash, remember how it says, "Om dim tzfufim korim revachim," that when they would stand up in the Beis Hamikdash, body to body, you couldn't move. Yet, what such an interesting thing. When they bowed down to God and go into Bittel zone, suddenly there was space for everybody. How could that be? It makes perfect sense. When you're yourself holding on to your Dalit Amos, yeah, it's very stuck, you can't move, right? No room for anybody else. But when you nullify yourself before the one, the only one, there's space for anything and everything in the whole universe. 
let, let it be an Elul, the most, such a meaningful Elul of not, co- not compromising on this. This is a Torah you don't compromise on. You, you go for it the whole way. The whole way. And remember, don't be scared of, am I going to be on the level of Rosh Hashanah? Who do, what do you know? Rosh Hashanah is going to come again. It's the highest whipping. The highest shattering of all old vessels. Bria Chadasha. Zerakti Lachem Mayim Tahorim. Hashem throws down pure waters on us. Ay, Levi, Bezrat Hashem will have one Achaz Sha'alti. One strong Achaz Sha'alti. That we say one time this Elo. So we can say, Be'eretz Achayim, that we're living, like you were saying, Zosha, we're living, we're living Be'eretz Achayim, living in the land of life. It's the Eretz Yisrael, the land of life. Being infinite, being godly means there's space for everybody. Not the evil, not space for evil. The evil becomes good when you're around infinity. So let's sing one more time from the beginning.
Thank you so much for coming, Chavra. Please make sure you sign in.